Ladies and gentlemen, a few years ago I published a book about the Anders Army called Trail of Hope. The English title is Trail of Hope. Uh, and generally speaking, I was very pleased uh, with this publication. Uh, it's a collection of splendid photos and eyewitness accounts uh, linked together by my own description uh, of the Odyssey. Uh, one thing, however, was not uh, exactly to my like liking, um, namely the cover. Uh, here it is. Uh, Trail of Hope, uh, and the picture on the cover shows the Battle of Monte Cassino. Um, in my view, uh, the cover should have had a picture uh, showing the extraordinary journey which those soldiers and their dependents made between 1941 and 1946. To begin with a couple of preliminary remarks. Firstly, the Western view of the Second World War uh, is black and white. It shows a good side, the Allied powers, fighting against the evil side of the Third Reich. And this is fine for at least two-thirds of the war. However, in the first two years of the war, i.e. one-third of the, of the total, the configuration was different. Hitler was in league with Stalin, and at the Nazi-Soviet pact, which facilitated the start of the war, the destruction of Poland was, was fundamental to what later developed. And the black-and-white picture was not... Uh, suitable uh, to that period. Secondly, uh, I would emphasize that the United Kingdom survived the Second World War, came out on the winning side, thanks to the help of numerous allies, starting of course with the members of the Commonwealth, but later uh, including Poland, uh, the first ally, later the United States and Soviet Russia. Uh, without those allies, it's very doubtful that we would uh, have come out of the war as safely as we did. The story of the Trail of Hope, the Odyssey of the Anders Army, starts in 1939 to 41, when up to two million Polish citizens were deported by Stalin uh, into the depths of Central Asia and Siberia. At that time, Poland was divided by its two conquerors, the Nazi Germans in the West and the Soviets in the East. And these people uh, were removed uh, for no other reason that they were Polish and belonged to uh, certain uh, social categories. Uh, the Nazis destroyed people uh, according to pseudo-racial principles. Stalin, decided, uh, <clears throat> Stalin de uh, destroyed people according to 
political and social categories. And the people whom he deported from, uh, from Poland uh, in 1940-41 uh, were state employees, teachers, railway officials, um, bureaucrats, um, politicians of all sorts, uh, and any category that uh, disliked him, like uh, stamp collectors and, and Esperantists. And these de deportees, half of whom died within a year or so in Siberia, formed a pool of, of people uh, many thousands of miles uh, from home. The second stage of the Odyssey is titled Amnesty in the summer of 1941, when the Soviet Union was attacked by uh, Nazi Germany and was in desperate need of manpower and troops. In those circumstances, Stalin gave an amnesty to all the surviving deportees on condition that they form an army. Uh, and this army was formed on the Volga, uh, in the middle of Russia, uh, under the command of General Vladislav Anders, who'd been dragged out of death cell in the Lubyanka and told he was going to command an army of 80 or 100,000 men. In this way, there arose the Polish army in the USSR, the Anders Army, uh, whose name changed uh, as, they, uh, as they proceeded down the trail. The third stage on the trail, uh, Central Asia in Uzbekistan. Anders had formed his army uh, in terrible Russian winter conditions on the Volga, and uh, decided that in order to uh, survive, they had to leave the freezing north and move towards uh, the warm south. And they went to Uzbekistan, only to be met by plagues of disease uh, and hunger, from which again um, many people died. More soldiers of the Anders army died from hunger and disease in Central Asia than at the Battle of Monte Cassino. Fortunately, Churchill was able to make an agreement with Stalin that this army would be evacuated from the south of the USSR to the Middle East in order to help uh, British defences, which were very hard-pressed at the time. And so, taking 40,000 women and children with him, Anders, like Moses of biblical times, took his people across the sea, across the Caspian Sea, uh, to um, refuge in Iran. Iran is the fourth stop on the way. In 1942 to 43, when the Andes army and their dependents arrived, uh, the country was divided into a 
Soviet zone of occupation and a British zone of occupation. Uh, and the British were there to receive uh, these half-starved uh, soldiers and civilians who came out of uh, Russia, out of the Soviet Union, to be cared for by the British Army. By that time, there were some 120,000 military and civilians welcomed uh, into Iran where they built hospitals and schools and camps, many of them staying there until the end of the war. For example, there was a um, famous girls' school uh, in the city of Isfahan, which was uh, started in 41 and ended in 46. Another great operation took place, which was to uh, filter out uh, women and children from people of military age. The women and children were then sent from Iran to various countries who agreed to receive them. Uh, the biggest group went uh, to India, uh, where there were two or three uh, refugee camps awaiting them. Another big group went to East Africa, to three or four British colonies in East Africa. Another group went to um, South Africa. And two groups of orphans sailed away, one to New Zealand and the other, believe it or not, to Mexico. The military people, men and women, uh, were sent to neighbouring Iraq, where their uh, initial job was to defend the oil fields from uh, a possible German attack. You have to remember that until Stalingrad, the Soviet victory at Stalingrad at the beginning of 1943, the Germans' main destination on the Eastern Front was the oil fields um, of the Middle East. In first place, Baku on the Caspian, and after that, the oil fields of northern Iraq. And the, An the Anders army was sent to northern Iraq uh, as a um, potential line of uh, defence. The Germans never arrived, uh, and so the British had to think of a different purpose for them. Now, Iraq is the fifth stop on the line. Iraq in 1943 was a British protectorate, part of Mesopotamia, and here the British reorganized the Poles, fed, clothed uh, and armed them and created a, a new modern army. The original uh, Anders army, the Polish army in the USSR, was then merged in Iraq with the uh, so-called Carpathian Brigade, which had fought at Tobruk, and together they formed uh, a, 
a new uh, formation called the Polish Army in the Middle East. In the desert of Iraq, uh, they received not only their uniforms and their small arms, but all the heavy weaponry required by modern warfare. In other words, tanks, artillery, and uh, all forms of, um, of weaponry. One very interesting group to emerge in Iraq were the famous Dreiwerki, the Polish Women's Auxiliary Corps, many thousands of whom were, were trained as drivers, drivers of heavy ten-ton Leyland lorries which were to transport the army further along the way. In those days, it was very unusual for women uh, to drive vehicles at all, and in the Middle East, uh, unheard of. Indeed, when they eventually get to Italy, women were not um, allowed to drive. And yet these uh, petite driverki at the wheel of these great Leyland lorries were one of the, the great sensations uh, of the day. From Iraq, the Anders army goes to Palestine, which is the sixth stop on the, the way. Palestine, in the, during the Second World War, was under British mandate, uh, but was also experiencing a war, a guerrilla war between uh, the British and the Zionist underground, i.e. The, um, the Jewish factions who were already fighting for an independent Jewish state. Here, one must emphasize that the Anders army contained a sizable Jewish contingent. There is a myth uh, that, the, that Anders did not accept Polish recruits. Quite wrong. Among the uh, 5,000 or so Jews in the Anders army was Menachem Begin, future Prime Minister of Israel, who was a sergeant in the army, and yet who in his uh, memoirs made the astonishing statement that the Jews were not admitted. Um, quite the contrary. Anders had a very strongly held principle that all citizens of uh, the Polish Republic were eligible to serve, irrespective of their uh, religion, nationality, language, culture, and so on. And the, the Anders army was with the men and women of uh, the multinational Polish Republic on the march. Poles, of course, in the majority, but Ukrainians, Belarusians, Lithuanians, Jews, and one or two more besides. When the Anders army um, drove into Palestine uh, in 1943, 
a few of the Jewish soldiers deserted to join the Zionist on underground. Uh, faced with this dilemma, and pressed by the British uh, to round up the deserters, Anders took a surprising de uh, decision. Uh, he made a famous statement saying that if people have two homelands, i.e. Poland and the future Israel, then they must choose between them. Uh, and he gave the Jewish soldiers in the ranks the choice whether to stay or to leave within a set period of two or three weeks. And about half the Jewish soldiers left by permission with their arms, about half of them stayed uh, to live and fight with the, the army as it went forward. But those Polish Jewish underground fighters were the biggest contingent that ever joined the Zionist underground and one finds them later on uh, serving uh, uh, prominently in the uh, Israeli Defence Forces. Stop number seven is Egypt. The Egypt of King Farouk and the British Protectorate. Among the photos, uh, favourite photos you see in, the, in my album, are Polish men and women of the Anders army visiting the sites of the pyramids, uh, riding camels and so on. But that was momentary relaxation. Uh, Cairo was a hotbed of uh, spies uh, in the Mediterranean theatre uh, and there's some interesting stories about uh, how uh, Poles made a uh, formidable contribution to uh, British intelligence at the time. But the main purpose, of course, was to um, reach the port of Alexandria from where they were due to sail to Italy. Here we meet uh, a lovely story. Uh, one um, artillery regiment uh, within the uh, Anders army had found a young bear cub in Iran uh, and the bear cub had accompanied them all the way uh, through the deserts of Iraq, through Palestine, to Egypt. And by this time, the cub had become a six-foot or seven-foot tall animal with a huge appetite, uh, hugely strong. It was used for carrying ammunition cases. But when the, uh, the Polish soldiers led it, or tried to lead it abo aboard the British ship in Alexandria, the, the Navy said, I'm sorry, um, we don't take animals. So the, uh, the bear's carers decided to um, give the animal soldiers' papers, a registration number, a dog tag, and a ration card. And they reboarded the ship 
presented the bear's document, a soldier number, uh, whatever it was, and uh, Wojtek, Wojtek the bear, was taken aboard and went with them all the way to, from Italy and eventually to Great Britain. Uh, Wojtek was uh, to survive the war by some 20 years uh, in Edinburgh Zoo and there are several um, statues to him in, uh, in, editor, uh, in Edinburgh, a great uh, children's favourite uh, and not only children. The eighth stop of the Odyssey on the other side of the Mediterranean was Italy. By now, the Anders Army had been renamed as the Second Corps of the British Eighth Army. In fact, it was the, uh, the largest unit in the Eighth Army where non-British units actually outnumbered the British divisions. Apart from the Poles, uh, there were Free French, uh, there were Moroccans, there were um, New Zealanders, a Maori battalion, uh, there were Canadians, Americans, and so on. And there is no army of the Second World War which better illustrates this necessary formula that British success depended on cooperation with allies. Uh, the Italian campaign of 1943 to 45 was not the greatest success story in the war. Uh, the terrain was extremely uh, mountainous, favoured the uh, the German and Italian defenders, and the Allied armies, British and American, made very slow progress. They never reached the, uh, their destination, which Churchill had in mind um, of crossing the Alps from the south. Nonetheless, it was an extremely hard-fought campaign in which the Second Corps was particularly distinguished. At the, the great sticking point of Monte Cassino, where the Eighth Army was held up for, for five months, unable to dislodge the German defenders, uh, it was men of the, the border division, the Polish border division and the Lvov Division, who finally stormed the heights and captured the monastery. And there's the famous moment when the trumpet call, the Heinal of Krakow, floats out over the front, signalling the, um, the fall of the German fortress at Monte Cassino. One of the most curious facts about the Italian campaign is that the uh, Polish Second Corps, although it lost many men killed and, in and uh, wounded, 
increased rapidly in size. The British couldn't believe their eyes when they saw demands for uh, food rations steadily going up. And when 43,000 Poles landed in Barry at the beginning of 1943, and by the end of the campaign, the Second Corps had 100,000 people. And, you know, where did they come from? The answer was from the Wehrmacht. Uh, the Germans had forcibly conscripted large numbers of Poles from their occupied provinces of Poland, in particular from Pomerania and Silesia. And these men were sent willy-nilly with the Wehrmacht to Italy. And of course, when they met Poles in the opposing Allied army at the front, they did everything possible to uh, cross the lines and join the Allies. And tens of thousands of them uh, did so. In other words, the Anders army was stronger at the end of the campaign than it was at the beginning. Now, during the final stages of the Italian campaign, in February 1945, news came through of the uh, Yalta Agreement, where the big three, Stalin, Roosevelt and uh, Churchill, had agreed, among other things, that the lands of eastern Poland should be annexed by the Soviet Union. Unfortunately, this was exactly the territory from where the, uh, the men and women of the Anders army had been deported for five and six years earlier. Uh, and for them, it was a terrible disaster. From that moment, they knew they had no home to go back to. Uh, and there was great concern uh, among the British that uh, perhaps the Poles would lay down their arms and refuse to f fight. Uh, that was not the case. They kept to their duty, to their oath that they'd sworn, and they fought on uh, bravely until the spring of the later spring, May 1945, when the Second Corps captured Bologna. But there was the great problem. What should happen to this large group of 100,000 soldiers in Italy who had no homes to return to? Uh, and what should happen to their 40 or 50,000 dependents who were scattered around the world in India, Africa, or uh, even the Antipodes? Ernest Bevan, the foreign minister of the, uh, the new Labour government, made a rather ridiculous statement. He circulated a notice to the soldiers of the Anders, Anders army saying 
that in the view of Her Majesty's government, the Poles should return home to Poland. He didn't seem to realize that a few months earlier he had agreed that Eastern Poland, the home of these people, had been handed over to the Soviet Union. And of course, hardly anybody in the Anders army uh, took up the, the offer of returning to Poland. So very reluctantly, the British government was obliged to agree to the resettlement of the soldiers and their dependents in the United Kingdom. And they sailed uh, in stages to Britain from Italy uh, in 1946. But of course they weren't free, they were not capable of making a living in Britain uh, immediately. Uh, they benefited from the first ever comprehensive resettlement scheme of foreign migrants, the Polish uh, resettlement scheme, which went into operation in 1947. The terms were that the uh, resettlement corps would be under the control of the British Army. Formerly it was still a, a British unit. The uh, Polish soldiers and their families would be accommodated in camps which had recently been used by uh, the Americans and Canadians. They would be trained in uh, useful civilian train, uh, trades. They would be taught English and after two years they would be free to move into civilian life. And this scheme, despite the austerity of the post-war years, was a great success. About half, the quarter of a million uh, Poles who benefited from the resettlement scheme, about half of them stayed in Britain uh, and their communities can still be found in everywhere from Ealing and Balham to, to Glasgow and uh, many Scottish towns. The other half decided to migrate, to benefit from various emigration schemes um, set up by Canada, by Australia and New Zealand to which they sailed in 1947-48 and have become uh, prominent members of uh, many uh, American, Canadian and Australian cities. The final moment, if you like, of the Anders army concerns the orphans whom General Anders had made a point of evacuating from the Soviet Union in 1941. Anders, faced with hundreds of thousands of Polish refugees in Russia, couldn't take them all. He decided to take three categories men and women of military age to serve in the army, family dependent of those soldiers 
and thirdly, orphan children. And about 10,000 orphans were saved. And they were dis- distributed around um, refugees in many parts of the world. One group went, for example, to New Zealand, where there still is a, a thriving Polish community uh, from their descendants. Uh, another group of about 5,000 children was sent to Mexico, all the way from Iran. They were put on a ship which sailed from the Persian Gulf to South Africa, from South Africa to Brazil, from Brazil to the Panama Canal, from the Panama Canal to California, where, amazingly, the Americans, not knowing who they were, promptly interned them as enemy aliens. When they realised their mistake, the children were put uh, on a train to San Antonio in Texas and from there to um, the camp that had been prepared for them at Santa Rosa in Mexico. At the end of the story, when the war was over, most of those Polish orphan children Uh, were taken in by uh, the Polish committee in uh, Chicago. And they and the descendants are American citizens. But a a group of about 500 wanted to uh, join their uh, families and relations and friends uh, in the resettlement corps in in Britain. And so uh, they sailed from Mexico to Portsmouth, on a ship called the Windrush. The Windrush was chartered first to take this group of Polish children and was then sent to Jamaica to be uh, filled up with uh, Jamaican emigrants who were coming to Britain to work. Uh, And although the, the Jamaican immigrants are well remembered and are still in the news. The group of 500 Polish orphans has been uh, forgotten by all except uh, the people concerned and their friends. And this is only one illustration of the way that this extraordinary odyssey Uh, which enabled the British army uh, to survive and fight in Italy has largely been forgotten by the people who most benefited from their service, namely us. Thank you very much. (laughs) 